so having I think probably covered that more than sufficiently Yeshua Hamashiach and if you want the spelling of this I'll spell it for you Y-E-S-H-U-A new word capital H small a capital M A-S-H-I-A-C-H Jesus is the only way to God the Old Testament scriptures continuously refer to a man who was coming <clears throat> who would be Israel's saviour every Jewish mother hoped she'd be the one to bring forth the Messiah in lighting the Sabbath candle which she is the one that does does it she's the first person to light a candle she indicates that perhaps it will be her, her lot to bring the light of the world into the world remember Eve thought the same thing I've begotten a man of the Lord she thought this could be Messiah she knew he had to come through a woman and maybe it was going to be her and perhaps it was all going to be over much quicker than she thought alas it was not as you look at the Messiah in the Old Testament you get two different pictures that of a glorious king who is coming with power and authority and the suffering servant we're blessed in that we understand that he's already come the first time as the suffering servant the Jewish nation however still looks for the coming of their Messiah the first time as king and their understanding is darkened Romans 11:8 in the NIV says this as it is written God gave them a spirit of stupor eyes so they couldn't see and ears so they couldn't hear to this very day beloved they cannot see in order that the Gentiles may come in and one of the names of this man was the Messiah or in Greek the Christ and there are a number of titles in the Old Testament for this man but none of them was his personal name they represented his ministry or his character and he was kept called various things the branch the stem of Jesse the son of man the rock the cornerstone the nail the shepherd Emmanuel the Messiah so let's look first at the branch and the stem and we find this in Isaiah 11:1. 1. then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse and a branch from his roots will bear fruit what about son of man Daniel 7:13. I kept looking in the night visions and behold with clouds of heaven one like the son of man was coming and he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him the rock Deuteronomy 32 4 the rock his work is perfect for all his ways are just a God of faithfulness and without injustice righteous and upright is he the cornerstone Isaiah 28:16. therefore thus says the Lord God behold I am laying in Zion a stone a tested stone a costly cornerstone for the foundation firmly placed he who believes in it will not be disturbed 
the nail. Isaiah 22, 22 and 23 in the King James Version. And the key of the house of David I will lay upon his shoulder, so he shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open, and I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place, and he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. The Shepherd Psalm 28, 9 Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd also and carry them for ever. Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 7.14 Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. The Messiah All these were titles, and the point of them was that when he came, people would recognize who he was, and of all these titles, the Messiah the anointed one was the favorite daniel 9:26 and 27 then after 62 weeks the messiah will be cut off and have nothing and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary and its end will come with a flood even to the end there will be war desolations are determined and he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week but in the middle of the week he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offerings and on the wing of, abo of, the, of, and on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate even until a complete destruction one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate this is an end time prophecy found in the book of Daniel which takes us from where Daniel was in captivity right through to the last seven years of Israel's history and is known as the 70th week of Daniel. It's reflected in Matthew 24:15, where Jesus himself warns of the signs of the ends of the age. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place and he goes on to warn them what to do this is a prophecy for Israel not the church when the church has been taken out of the world the Jews will read this and be able to locate exactly where they are in God's time frame so at the cross Jesus the Messiah was cut off in death but not for himself it was for us and for all who will believe Jesus was called the Messiah the anointed one for a specific reason he was anointed by God for a purpose he was anointed to be a prophet a priest and a king the one who would bear the anointing of all three would be king of Israel. Moses spoke of the Messiah as a prophet 1600 years before Jesus' birth in Deuteronomy 18 verse 15 and verses 18 and 19. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. From your countrymen you shall listen to him. Verse 18, I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, 
and he shall speak to them all that I command him. It shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words which you shall speak, he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. And King David speaks about Messiah as king and priest in Psalm 110, 1-4. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will freely volunteer in the day of your power. In holy array from the womb of the dawn, your youth are to you as the dew. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. And again in Zechariah six twelve and 13. Then say to him, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, a man whose name is Branch, for he will branch out from where he is and he will build the temple of the Lord. Yes, it is he who will build the temple of the Lord, and he who will bear the honour, and sit and rule on his throne thus. Thus he will be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace will be between the two offices. Zechariah had built the temple, and in verse 12 he's talking about the Messiah, the branch. The throne gives us the picture of Jesus as king as well as priest. Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. Revelation 19.6 And on his robe and in his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is undisputed ruler and king. There are over 330 prophecies about this person known as Messiah. Many came claiming they were the Christ in Jesus' time. This is why the scribes and the Pharisees pursued him, questioning him constantly about his credentials and trying to trip him up. But Jesus fulfilled to the letter everything ever spoken about him. The true Messiah must fulfill every one of these 330 plus prophecies. They were given to the nation of Israel in order that they'll be able to identify Messiah when he came in order that they would know that this really was the one. So we find in John seven thirty-seven to 43 this. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his inmost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, This certainly is the prophet. Others were saying, This is the Christ. Still others were saying, Surely the Christ isn't going to come from Galilee, is he? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendants of David, from Bethlehem, from the village where David was? So a division occurred in the crowd because of him. The people are divided. They were using the scriptures to try to prove whether or not this man was the long-awaited Messiah. And the scripture they were referring to 
was Micah 5 verse 2. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephratah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth from me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. The person spoken of here is undoubtedly a king and eternal in nature. But the people were divided because they thought Jesus originated from Galilee, not Bethlehem, as was prophesied. And according to the scripture, the Messiah must come from Bethlehem. So a division occurs between them. You can see from this that the Jews were looking for and expecting the Messiah and they had all the information at their fingertips to ensure they got the right person. So only one man could fulfill these 330 odd prophecies. I can't deal with all of them but I'll split some up into three groups and the first is what I would call his pedigree, his ancestry. And to find this we must look at a number of things, the first of which is that he had to be fully human, just like us. And we find this right at the very beginning, in Genesis 3. In Genesis 3.15 particularly. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. So this man would be born of a woman, a human being, and the verse refers to the virgin birth. So first thing, he has to be fully human. The second thing is, he must be of Semitic origin. He must come from the line of Shem, one of Noah's three sons. You remember there were three of them, Ham, Shem and Japheth. In Genesis 9.26, he said also, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. Because he must also be a descendant of Abraham, a Jewish man, because God says in Genesis 12, 2-3, and I will make you a great nation. So he's got to come from Abraham. And make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Why will they all be blessed? Because from your line, Abraham, will come the saviour of the world. So, the Messiah had to be human and a Jew, a Semitic man. And he had to be a descendant of Jacob. Genesis 24, sorry, 26, 4. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and I will give your descendants all these lands and by your descendants all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Tracing the same prophecy again this time through Jacob. Jacob had twelve sons which, but which was the one through which Messiah would come? At the end of Jacob's life he prophesied, you remember we saw this when we looked at Jesus as king, over each of his sons and we saw how Reuben had disqualified himself from inheriting the ruler's staff, the scepter of power. 
and the scripture we want here is found in Genesis 49, 8-12. Speaking of Judah, Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He couches, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion, who dares rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. He ties his foal to the vine, his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washes his garments in wine, and his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are dull from wine, and his teeth white from milk. So much there is speaking of Jesus, the donkey's colt, his garments washed in the blood. So much there. So here we see the key scripture, that the ruler's staff shall not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. The scepter, a symbol of rulership, authority and power, will not depart from the tribe of Judah until Shiloh comes. This poses the question, who or what is Shiloh? And Shiloh is a beautifully veiled reference to Jesus himself. Geographically, Shiloh was a little town in the district of Ephraim. It was important in Israel's history. It was a place where the ark and the tabernacle were established between Joshua who took the land and the prophet Samuel. And at that time, Shiloh was the center of worship in Israel. But it's not the place, Shiloh, which is referred to here. Shiloh means peace. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So this prophecy is saying when Shiloh the Prince of Peace comes, you will no longer need any other ruler. Jesus embodies the tabernacle, the ark, and all the fullness of God, and his rule is eternal. So from this we see that Messiah must come from the tribe of Judah. And from Psalm 89, 3 and 4, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I've sworn to David my servant. I will establish your seed forever and build up your throne to all generations. Selah. Think about that. We see that it is through King David particularly that Messiah will come. Psalm 89, 35 and 36 Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His descendants shall endure forever, and his throne as the sun before me. So Messiah would not only come from the tribe of Judah, but he would also be one of David's descendants. And lastly, he would be born of a virgin. Isaiah 7.14 Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. We can't go into all the fuss there's been about the word virgin here, um, but maybe we will at another time. So 
in the Greek it actually means a virgin, a woman who has not been known a, a man. So um, suffice it to say that absolutely means a virgin as we understand it. So Messiah must be fully human, a Jewish man and born of a virgin. Unless he fulfilled all three of these he could not be Yeshua HaMashiach. So interesting now genealogies probably you find them as boring as dust but they are so important. They are always an interesting study and we find two of these which apparently conflict in Matthew and Luke. Matthew uh, 1, 1 to 17. The record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Abinadab, Abinadab the father of Nason, and Nason the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Ammon, and Ammon the father of Josiah. Josiah became the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. After the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah became the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Ahibud, sorry, Abihud, and Abihud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok, Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eluid. Eluid was the father of Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. And here Matthew is dealing with Joseph's genealogy, which is important for another reason, but not the one we really want. We really want Luke because he deals with Mary's line and the humanity of Jesus. So bear with me as we go through some difficult names again. Luke 3 then, 23 to 38. You notice that, uh, just as a side really, um, Matthew goes from the beginning up to the present. Um, and. Luke goes the reverse. When he begins his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, the son of Eli, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janiah, the son of Joseph, the son of Matthias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Hesli, the son of Nagai, 
the son of Math, the son of Matthias, the son of Semyon, the son of Joseph, Josek, the son of Jodah, the son of Joanan, the son of Risa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adai, the son of Kosam, the son of Elmadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua, the son of Eleazar, the son of Jorim, the son of Matat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Eliakim, the son of Melia, the son of Mena, the son of Matata, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salmon, the son of Nason, the son of Abinadab, the son of Admin, the son of Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Sarug, the son of Ru, the son of Peleg, the son of Heba, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, who was not, the son of Jared, the son of Mahaliel, the son of Canaan, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. The genealogy of Luke takes us carefully backwards to Adam. On the other hand, the genealogy of Matthew goes forward from Abraham and concludes that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. Both Mary and Jesus came from David's line and from David's son Nathan, but Joseph came from David's other son Solomon. Jesus was physically descended from Mary, he is therefore totally human and totally Jewish. In the culture of the Jews you are a Jew if your mother is a Jewess not if your father is. He inherited nothing physically from Joseph at all. So where does Joseph fit in? He fits in because it was only through the husband that you could come into the legal inheritance of the family. And Jesus was legally the firstborn. As Jesus was not from Joseph physically, to come into his inheritance, Joseph had to adopt him which in turn meant he had to do two things. Firstly, he had to take hold of the boy and name him. We see this in Matthew 1.25. This is after Joseph has found out what's going on and who's done what to whom, um, and he's decided to go ahead with the wedding just the same. But he hasn't known her yet. But he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. So there he's fulfilled that. And secondly, he had to teach the boy his own trade. Jesus, Joseph was a carpenter, and that is why Jesus was a carpenter, to fulfill the legal requirements. So Jesus is legally Joseph's firstborn son by adoption. So in Matthew 13:55 we see the crowd saying this, Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? So Joseph did the two things that were legally necessary for Jesus to receive Joseph's inheritance as his adopted son. 
the virgin birth. The prophecy concerning, concerning the Messiah that said he must be born of a virgin, and we see this uh, in Isaiah 7.14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. So we have the three foundational needs of the Messiah. He will be fully human, he will be completely Jewish and we can prove it, and he will be born of a virgin. And though the genealogies are a major sign that Jesus is the Messiah, there were other signs that would point to the fact that Messiah had come. Isaiah 29, 18-22 says this, On that day the deaf will hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind will see. The afflicted will also increase their gladness in the Lord, and the needy of mankind will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless will come to an end, and the scorner will be finished. Indeed, all who are intent on doing evil will be cut off. Who cause a person to be indicted by a word, and ensnare him, who adjudicates at the gate, and defraud the one in the right with the meaningless arguments. Therefore, thus says the Lord, who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall not now be ashamed, nor shall his face turn pale. The prophecy says that when Messiah comes there will be miracles, deaf ears will hear, blind eyes will see, and there will be some that will not be ashamed when they see him. In other words, some will believe he is Yeshua Hamashiach. Isaiah 35, 5 and 6 Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. For waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the Arabah. These prophecies were saying this is how you will know. Signs will follow the man Yeshua Hamashiach. said the same to John didn't he when John said are you the one or should we look for someone else tell John this the blind see the deaf hear the lame walk he was saying I'm the one these are the signs John it's just that I have got a different agenda we covered that too in uh, Jesus is King so at the end of his life, Jesus fulfilled 35 prophecies regarding the Messiah within the space of 72 hours, and they were fulfilled exactly according to the scriptures. Matthew 27, 9, we see this. Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of the one whose price had been set by the sons of Israel. And we have what looks like an error because actually this scripture is found not in Jeremiah but in Zechariah 11 verse 12. I said to them, if it's good in your sight, give me my wages, but if not, never mind. So they weighed out 30 shekels of silver as my wages. Don't panic. Here we come again. <laughs> The answer is simple. All the Jewish writings were on scrolls and they divided these scrolls into five sections. 
calling the scroll by the first book of the section. And the book of Zechariah was found in the scroll of Jeremiah. Easy when you know the answer. Things like this are the very reason that people say the Bible contradicts itself. And if you're getting the bound copy of these notes, you'll see on the front I've quoted in the scroll of the book, it is written of me. These things are simple if you take them from a Jewish perspective. And the remaining 34 prophecies, and we can't go into them all, are mainly found in Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53, very familiar for us. Psalm 22:16, For dogs have surrounded me, a band of evildoers has encompassed me, they pierced my hands and my feet. This is a prophecy about the death of Jesus a thousand years before it happened. Crucifixion didn't come in as a form of capital punishment until 500 years after this was written. So this psalm is a major prophetic passage fulfilled by Jesus. And there's a prophecy regarding his betrayal in Psalm 41 verse 9. These things are hidden. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. In the ancient world, when you ate with someone, it was a sign of the closest possible friendship and you never betrayed the person you had a meal with. This is a prophecy that the person Messiah eats with will betray him and it's fulfilled in John 13, 21 to 26. When Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said, Truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. The disciples began looking at one another at a loss to know which one he was speaking of. of. There was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter gestured to him and said, Tell us who it is of whom he is speaking. And he, leaning back thus on Jesus' bosom, said to him, Lord, who is it? Then Jesus answered, That is the one for whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. So when he dipped the morsel, he took and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Dipping the morsel was something you did with someone you were very close. You broke the bread, you dipped it into the sauce and handed it to them as a token of love and friendship. And to the one who is just about to betray him, Jesus reaches out in love. And Mark fifteen twenty-seven and 28 is fulfilled prophecy. Then they crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And we find this in Isaiah 53, 9 and 12. His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Therefore I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured himself out to death, and was numbered with the transgressors. 
yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. And prophecies fulfilled by Jesus in his death. Matthew 27, 46 And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, where are you? This is the prophecy in Psalm 22.1 My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. John 19.28-30 After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfil the scripture, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He said, Teleos, which is the word paid in full. And this is found in Psalm 69:21. They also gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. The prophecy about Jesus' first coming was then fulfilled. Nine, John 19:23 and 24. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his outer garments and made four parts, a part for every soldier, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece, so they said to one another, Let's not tear it, but cast lots for it, to decide whose it shall be. This was to fulfil the scripture. They divided by outer garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Psalm 22.18 They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. This was fulfilled, and then joined it John nineteen thirty two to thirty seven. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man, and of the other who was crucified with him. But coming to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified. And his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you may also believe. For these things came to pass to fulfil the scripture, Not a bone of him shall be broken. Remember, the lamb had to be in one piece. And again another scripture says, They shall look upon him whom they pierced. And you find these, Two more fulfilled scriptures, Psalm 34:20, He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. And Zechariah 12:10, And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, so that they will look on me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son and they will weep bitterly over him, like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. 
scripture fulfilled to the letter. These are just a few examples. The Old Testament scriptures told what would happen to the Messiah and they came to pass exactly as prophesied, but they were not understood by his disciples. On the road to Emmaus, convinced Jesus was their great new emerging monarch who by supernatural force would overthrow the oppression of the Roman Empire, the disciples were utterly baffled and cast down by what just happened. Their Messiah, their King, had been put to death. So we see in Luke 24, 13-32. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began travelling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognising him. He said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still, looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem, unaware of the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb early in the morning and they didn't find his body, they came saying that they'd also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women had said, but they didn't see him. And he said to them, O oh, foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going farther. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it's getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognised him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road and while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Jesus rose from the dead also, just as the scripture says. Acts two, twenty-two to 35 Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death 
since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh will also live in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on the throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And where do we see that? Psalm 16, 8-11 I have set the Lord continually before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely, for you will not abandon my soul to shell, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your hand, right hand, there are pleasures for evermore. Fulfilled. Jesus rose from the dead. And finally, Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Can you see how you cannot have just the New Testament and understand what the coming of Jesus is all about. We've seen Jesus at his first advent as the Jews long-awaited Messiah, but they did not recognize him. He will come a second time with power and authority as undisputed King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and they will see him. Revelation 1 verse 7 Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. Next time, the title is When Heaven Comes Down which is part five in the Spiritual Warfare series, where we will examine the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus taught the disciples to pray, asking for his kingdom to come on earth, and the implications of asking for that. I do pray that God will bless this word to your ears, and that your hearts are burned within you as you've listened to the unfolding of the scriptures this day. God bless you. Thank you so much 
for staying with it to the end. God bless you. Amen. <laughs>